Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Hey, everyone. Homes.com knows having the right agent can make or break your home search. That's why they provide home shoppers with an agent directory that gives you a detailed look at each agent's experience, like the number of closed sales in a specific neighborhood, average price range, and more. It lets you easily connect with all the agents in the area you're searching so you can find the right agent with the right experience and ultimately the right home for you. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh, and there's Chuck, and Jerry's here too. And this is Stuff You Should Know. Part of the ongoing, never-ending, stupendously outstanding animal editions. Uh, that's right. And for us, Friday morning edition, mm-hmm. which never happens. Uh, we had a little family issue yesterday, and you guys were very sweet and kind and well, sure. uh, agreed to punt the recording a day. And so now we are we're in our morning show routine. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I can't even begin to do a morning show host impression. I'd like to, but I can't bring myself to. Who likes lizards? That was pretty good, Chuck. (laughs) Yeah, and that's probably a morning show person would probably call this a lizard. Yeah, yeah, good point. Because they're not lizards, they're amphibians. And and what we're talking about are called axolotls. And before we get into it, I think we should give a hat tip to a guest researcher who helped us with the very initial research on axolotls. Uh-huh. A listener named um, Charlize Flores, who, by the way, her grandma calls her Chuck, she mentioned. Oh, that's very sweet. Did she sent us a sweet letter and mm-hmm. uh, a picture that she drew. Yes, a picture of her axolotl, Boba. And she told us some pretty amazing initial things about axolotls. And she and her mom, uh, Gabrielle, listen out in Omaha. So thank you very much to Charlize for helping us out with this one. Um, I, th- I guess we should also thank um, Dave Ruse, too. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but Dave's not, what, like six years old? How old was, she, was Chuck? She's 10 going into, she just started the fifth grade. Oh, well, sh- I feel like a dummy, too. And I'm a, I'm a dad of an eight-year-old, and I, I guess too young. You never know. You never know. You just can't tell at that age. You're <laughs> like, are you three? Are you 15? I can't tell. <laughs> Uh, so should we talk pronunciation real quick? Because I, uh, because of my screwy day yesterday, I meant a thousand times to go look up sort of the indigenous pronunciation of what we call axolotl. Mm-hmm. And I failed to, but you were schooling me before we started recording. Schooling in a good way. I got you covered. Yeah. So that very strange looking word is actually taken directly from the Nahuatl language, which Mm -hmm. is the language of the Aztec people. And they came up with this. We'll we'll talk. Do you want to just go ahead and talk about that part now? Uh, Yeah, sure. Okay, good. So the the word axolotl, what we call axolotl, is actually um, asholot, even Uh though it's spelled the exact same way. In the Nahuatl language, 
um, ATL is pronounced LUT. And X is very often pronounced show. It can also be pronounced wa. It's kind of all over the place. It's like a utility um, baseball player. It can do whatever. <laughs> wow, look at you. And by the way, also, um, the Aztecs were called the Mexica. And that's that X is a S-H-E in that case. So the axolotl, or a sholot, is named after the Aztec god sholot. X-O-L-O-T-L. That's right. The god of fire and lightning, correct? Also, what else? Also the god of physical deformities and dogs and death. And I'm glad we're starting here because uh, this sort of reinforces why the axolotl, by the way, which is a very, very cute little salamander, amphibian. I think you did say amphibian. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you think you haven't seen one, you probably have because they've kind of blown up the internet uh, semi-recently with their cute smiles, but they're very important to the to lore and the culture of Mexico because of the Aztec origins, mm -hmm. uh, and specifically this god, Xolot, who, like we said, physical deformities, fire, lightning, death, and dogs. Right, and so according to lore, Xolot uh, was um, escaping Quetzalcoatl, which is Xolot's uh, twin god sibling. Mm-hmm. And um, to escape, he transformed into three things. A maize plant, which sure. is sholut in uh, Nahuatl language. Mm -hmm. Agave, which is mm. mesholut. Mm -hmm. And then a salamander, asholut. Ah. And he still was caught and killed. But I believe by transforming into those things, he made them exist, perchance. So... The reason that the Asholot is um, kind of like a big deal in uh, Aztec culture is that um, they were very hyper-local to the Aztec people. They were yeah. where the Aztec were, and they were a huge um, food source, a source of medicine, and also, I guarantee, a source of amusement and delight because— I don't care what era or age or right. epoch you're living in. <laughs> yeah. Axolotls are one of the cutest animals on the planet. They really are. I mean, there's something about that perma smile that is undeniably uh, cute and affectionate looking. And I know this is humans putting their stuff on animals, but, you know, the thing smiles. What else can you say? <laughs> you can't. There's nothing <laughs> you can't else you it. need to say. But that's the thing about axolotls, Chuck, is, yes, if, if they were just that cute and it stopped there, they'd still be worth talking about. But they're really, really worth talking about. And this is what Charlie Flores was trying to explain to us, is that there's so many other amazing, astounding things about axolotls that this is just one of the most interesting animals on the planet, it turns out. Here's your Disney movie. It's centered around, I'm surprised you haven't done this, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. It's centered around an axolotl, okay. of course. Yeah. You named uh, Axel. <laughs> but uh, sure. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, and it is, uh, but it is, and you know, Disney movies always sort of, and you know, Pixar, all that stuff, they always sort of have their larger point to make about emotions or this or that. Mm -hmm. Maybe this one deals with uh, mental illness, and you have an ax axolotl that is actually depressed but smiles all the time anyway. <laughs> That's awesome. And his little buddies have to help him out and see him through this. Yeah, and like the, the climax of the film is where he manages to frown. Right, <laughs> maybe so. <laughs> That's pretty great, uh, Chuck. 
Yeah, just to put a sort of cherry on top of the original cultural story, though, when the Spanish came around as conquerors, they were like, oh, man, this stuff is delicious. Uh, it was uh, – they, they tried to um, – they tried to keep a lot of records, at least, of what was going on with the Aztec and, like, what was important to them culturally. I'm not going to say, like, so they could respect them or anything like that, but they did keep records and they did – learn about the axolotl and learn that it was a f- source of medicine and they called it the food of the lords mm-hmm. and there was there were festivals it was uh this i mean i don't want to eat one of these things but they had tamale axolotl tamales mm-hmm. and i like a tamale so that's the only time i was like hmm i could maybe? eat i could eat one of those <laughs> if you wrapped it up in a tamale yeah but i really couldn't cuz all i could see is that smile in my brain so um Axolotls are, that would be tough to do, especially if the head's poking out the end of the tamale just looking oh, at Oh, man. You. No, you can't do that. So I said axolotls were hyper-local to where the um, Big time. Mexica, um, the Aztec, lived. Uh, and they lived in, a, like, basically on a lake. Like, Mexico City used to be an Aztec capital called Tenochtitlan. And Tenochtitlan was built basically on top of Lake, uh, what is it, Texcoco? I think probably Texcoco. Texcoco, thank you. So Lake Texcoco is where the um, the axolotl hails from. Mm-hmm. And it's again, it's a salamander, and there are other salamanders that live in that area. But the axolotl only lived in the Lake Texcoco area. And in, as the Spanish came along and said, you can't build a city on a lake. What are you, crazy? We're going to go ahead and drain this lake. One of the remnants of that lake was an even smaller body of water. Mm-hmm. And it's not only a smaller body of water, it's even harder to pronounce than Lake Texcoco. <laughs> it really is. It's Lake Xochimilco. And friends, look up Xochimilco. It is not in any way, shape, or form, as far as an English speaker is concerned, spelled like it's pronounced. Yeah. It's X-O-C-H-I-M-I-L-C-O. But mm-hmm. Lake Xochimilco is a very small body of water. It's basically a small system of freshwater canals that are the remnants of Lake uh, Texcoco. And that is where axolotls live now. In the entire world, there's nowhere else, even in Mexico, there's nowhere else you will find an axolotl in the wild except for in Lake Xochimilco. Yeah, and I'm, I'm actually going to Mexico City for the first time in November. It's a very cool town. I can't wait, man. And uh I'm not going to go on a axolotl tour. I don't know if they have those. I bet they do. They do, but they're they're generally not out during the day. But we'll get to all this stuff uh, as we go. Right? Should we start at the beginning? Yeah, I thought we had right. started. Well, historically, the beginning. I just mean the beginning of axolotls as a species because they are amphibians, like you said, of the order uh, Urodella, mm-hmm. and that is all salamanders. Uh, the scientific name is uh, Ambistoma. Mexicanum, which very appropriate. Mm. I even know what that means. Mm. Uh, ambistoma means blunt mouth. And when you see the axolotl, it kind of has a blunt looking mouth. So it all makes sense. And in Latin, amphibia for amphibia means double life. And it's it's called double life in amphibia because, as we all know, amphibians start out in water when they're hatched as little eggs. And they spend some time there as, as youngins swimming around and using their gills. And then eventually they metamorphosize and transform uh, into a land creature, uh, which means they grow legs, their little tails shrink, and they learn to use their lungs 
and those gills aren't useful anymore. And sometimes they even go away altogether, right? Yes, that's a, that's a typical amphibian. That's just what they do. Yeah, um, the, the gills go away. They start breathing um, with their lungs, and they live on land. They go from living in the water to living in the land. It's what makes an amphibian of an amphibian. Except? Except with <laughs> axolotls and a couple yeah. other, there's a couple other species of amphibians, mud puppies, I think is one, um, that they never leave the water. They're amphibians, but they don't amphibiate, essentially. <laughs> yeah. And it's, a, it's something called neoteny, which is they stay forever young, just like that Rod Stewart song. Uh, yeah. Uh, and another word for it is pedomorphic. And like Rod Stewart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although, no, no, that's not true at all. But um, that means that they, even in their adult form, even in, like, they're fully grown up, they can reproduce, they're drawing Social Security, um, mm -hmm. they still are, not only look like their childhood form, for all intents and purposes, their body inside and out is still in the childhood form. Yeah, they, they don't drop that tail like other Sallys do. Mm -hmm. Uh, they keep that tail. It's called a body fin because it kind of, you know, it, once you see it, it kind of looks like it runs up their body. Yeah. Uh, they keep those. Well, they keep those legs. Their legs wouldn't go away anyway, but they have those stubby little legs. Uh, they do have lungs, and they also still have those gills, which we'll talk about uh, a little more in a second. But they basically breathe almost exclusively through their gills, and they also never use their legs to walk on dry land. So. You know, there's a, a term in Mexico, Mexican walking fish is what they can be called, which Dave very funnily points out, like, they are Mexican, but they're not fish and they don't walk. So it's a bit of a misnomer. Uh, yeah, just a touch. Um, there's, a, there's a theory as to why this is going on. Like, why would this happen? This doesn't really make any sense. Like, why would they have legs? Yeah, exactly. That's a great question. And some one of the theories is that there was a point in time where they did— um, amphibiate fully and make it mm -hmm. out of the water. So they needed their legs. They needed their lungs. They do have little tiny lungs, but they're very undeveloped. So they can't, they can survive out of water for a very short time with those yeah. little tiny lungs, but not for very long. They're clearly not designed to stay out of water. Yeah. So the idea is that somewhere in their evolutionary history, they spent some time on land, but the place where they lived uh, either Lake uh, Tashkoko or Lake Xochimilco mm -hmm. was so such a great environment for them, so ripe with food, so f um, uh, abundant. No, what's the opposite of abundant? Oh, scarce. So there were such scarce predators. It was just yeah. a perfect place to live. Man, a golden age to be an axolotl, I would say. And so they stayed in the water, and at some point in time. Those genes got frozen in mm -hmm. some some individual organisms, and those got passed along, and those gave us axolotls. And Chuck, also, may I retort to myself? Sure. So that is one theory. My theory, which I would like to share, is oh, wow. axolotls are only about 10,000 years old as a species. Okay. They basically evolved from other salamanders that they live among. Mm-hmm. And they haven't fully, I believe, evolved into a, a, an entirely separate species. They can still procreate with other salamanders. And so I think what it is, is it's a remnant of 
the the salamanders that they evolved from, that they haven't fully evolved out of that. And that if you looked at axolotls, you know, 100,000 years from now, they won't have any legs anymore. And this is, uh, does anyone, is this out there at all? Or is this all you? I'm putting it out there, baby. Okay. <laughs> so they used to mate with their other salamander friends. And they still can. Like Rod Stewart. <laughs> That's right. That's right. He's had one or two salamanders in his time. All right. Uh, I like it. That makes sense to me. Thank you. Uh, in 100,000 years, we'll know for sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Yeah. Once the earth is a big flaming ball of uh, hot gas. Oh, yeah. It'll have come and gone by then. All right. So maybe we should take a break. I think that's a good setup. Uh, and we talk about how remarkable this thing is. Just hold on to your hats, everybody, because this sort of blew my mind. And it will blow yours as well right after this. Hey, everybody, it's time you heard about Squarespace. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own website, whether it's an online course or custom merch, Squarespace has you covered. That's right. Courses is a great program. You can start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with a powerful Fluid Engine editor. That's right. With Fluid Engine, which is a next generation website design system, by the way, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. That's right. And don't forget the commerce side, because after that, you can charge a one time fee or you can even sell a subscription. Yeah. So turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. And right now, go to squarespace.com stuff for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code STUFF to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode... Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more, while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Altoids because, let's face it, unraveling the mysteries of the universe is tough work. But with Altoids, your breath will be stronger than a black hole's gravitational pull, more intense than an alien abduction, and more reliable than your phone's battery during a podcast marathon. When it comes to needing intense freshness, Altoids have you covered. Altoids are stronger than your favorite conspiracy theory, more intense than the latest true crime docuseries, and more reliable than a Bigfoot sighting. They're not just mints, they're curiously strong mints. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today. Want to learn about a pterosaur and call it pterodactyl? How to take a perfect poop and all about fractals. Genghis Khan. Attila the Hun. The Lizzie Borden murders and the cannibal runs. Don't explain everything to your brain. Explodes. Just Chuck. And Josh. This stuff you should know. Word up, Jerry. All right. So uh, if you haven't looked up a picture of an axolotl by now, uh, pull your car off or 
Um, take a break from jogging or cleaning your house or whatever you do when you listen to us. Wake up, maybe, <laughs> if you're sleeping. Nice. Look up a picture of that cute little thing. Uh, you've probably seen them on TikTok or YouTube. Uh, you've probably seen a bunch of very colorful axolotls. Mm-hmm. And those are bred specifically to sell as pets in those amazing colors. That is not what color they are in the wild. They are uh, dark brownish, sort of greenish, or really, really black. And it, kids don't want that. Kids want uh, a hot pink one. And so <laughs> humans have made that possible. Right. They want the Barbie version of axolotls, the Barbie they edition. Well, we all do. We want what Barbie versions of everything, don't we? Yeah, for sure. Um, so there's pink, and the pink can, is usually pretty pale, but I would say their faces can be kind of hot pink. Yeah. White ones, pale yellow, lavender, that's my favorite. Yeah. Model green, gray, and they also have glow-in-the-dark ones, which are a little bit misnamed because it's not glow-in-the-dark. They glow under UV lights because they sh- they have the same um, genes that jellyfish, some jellyfish do, and they were bred into them. This is not a natural thing, although apparently they can spontaneously generate that gene in the wild, weirdly enough. But the upshot of it is if you have a glow-in-the-dark um, axolotl and you're showing it off with the black light, how it glows, you actually Mm -hmm. don't want to do that very much because you're blasting them with UV radiation and their skin is so delicate, it's actually really bad for them. Yeah, and if you're uh, a teenage boy and your mom is in the room, you don't want to do that anyway. Right? What do you you mean? I'm not catching that one. That's all right. Adults will understand. Or most adults. I'm an adult. Moving on. They are about uh, 10 inches long, or they can grow up to 10 inches long. Uh, They have those big wide mouths uh, that look sort of unusually large for their size and for their head. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they do have little teeth, uh, top and bottom teeth. And their stubby little legs have four web toes on the front and five on the rear. And we got to talk about those gills because the the first thing you might notice, aside from that winning smile, Mm -hmm. when you look at an axolotl are those amazing feathery gills sticking out from the head. Uh, They don't look like a fish's gills that you would see just sort of, you know, just like dumb old gills on the side of a fish head, just opening back and forth like like an air vent. These things are, as Dave says, magnificent. There's no other way to describe these wispy, feathery, branched feathers. It almost looks like little um, pieces of coral coming off of it. There's three three pair on um, each side of its head. No, there's a pair on each side of its head times three. Right, yeah. Okay, Chuck, no more Friday morning recording sessions for me, okay? <laughs> oh, that was some tough math. Um, and they, they look like uh, flowy and branched and filigreed because they're essentially like our lungs. Mm-hmm. Our lungs have alveoli, these air sacs, and if you really look at a detail of our lungs, they're branched and feathery and filigreed because that expands the surface area for um, gas exchange. Same thing with the axolotl, except those are gills to them because they do the oxygen exchange of the gas exchange underwater, and they're on their head. Yeah, and it's it looks like an adornment yeah. almost, you know? Mm-hmm. Or a hairdo, like a Larry Fine hairdo from the Three Stooges. Right. Oh, it's cuter than that. I think Larry's hair was super cute. Oh, okay. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I kind of teased about an axolotl tour in uh, Mexico City. I'm not sure how they do those, but they <laughs> are generally not around during the day. They're pretty sedentary, yeah. uh, and they hide in the mud. 
Uh, nighttime is the right time for the axolotl. Mm-hmm. They come out and, and eat uh, basically anything that they can eat. They're car- carnivores, uh, anything with a beating heart, whether it's a worm or a mollusk or even a crustacean or a tiny fish. Mm-hmm. Uh, an axolotl will chow down on them. And you mentioned earlier that they can, even though they never go through that metamorphosis that other uh, amphibians do, in order to, you know, live a life on land and do things like reproduce, they can reproduce. They are sexually mature at six months old, and they're just, uh, it's called the Peter Pan state. They're sort of stuck in this eternal childhood, but those children still want to have babies and do that thing, you know? Yeah, so how do they do it? Well, like many animals, there's a little dancing ritual. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, it's called a mating waltz, where the male and the female kind of swim very tightly together, they get, uh, they get their cloacas and rub them against each other. Mm-hmm. Things are getting a little uh, steamy down there in the lake. Okay. And then the male says, here you go. Uh, here's a here's a big cone uh, full of sperm. And the female says, well, thank you very much. I will use my cloaca to accept that and fertilize my eggs. And those eggs are a lot. They're about 300 to 1,000 fertilized eggs. Uh, what I wondered is how, I mean, I know we'll talk about why they're so endangered, but if they're laying that many eggs, how many come to fruition? Because that's a lot of eggs. I got you. I found on some message boards, I don't even know if they call them that any longer, but on the internet, <laughs> yeah. from people who raise axolotls, that they're actually, they a lot of them do, like more, more than half. Uh-huh. It was a news serve. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, they, uh, they, uh, I saw somebody predict about 80% will hatch, which is a big deal if you have still a, a female and a male axolotl in your tank. You really have to keep an eye out for um, egg sacs floating around because those you'll have a lot of axolotls on your hands. Yeah, and they, they if you get one as a pet, and we'll talk about care a little bit at the end, but uh, be prepared to have that thing for a while because— in captivity, they can live up to 25 years uh, in the wild, about 10 to 15. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you remember, our uh, we talked about the Proteus salamander a long time ago. In our biospeology episode. That's right. That was a good, creepy episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, those things can live to be 100. So it's not unusual for a Sally to have a long life. Yeah. And like you said, in captivity, up to 25 years. And I, I just want to make sure that everybody who's buying axolotls as pets these days knows that, like, you're, 25 you're years. going to have graduated college and, and had your first job and maybe even have a kid while your axolotl is still around. So keep that in mind. Well, in the Disney movie, maybe that's why the axolotl is suppressed. That might be a little too Toy Story that the kid sort of doesn't care anymore. Sure. But, hey, you never know. Yeah, and we couldn't do that they flushed him down the toilet because that's like finding Nemo, right? Mm, is that how Nemo got... Uh, Back into the wild. I feel like that happened at some, at some point. I could be making that up, though. It kind of drifted in and out of some of those, you know. He <laughs> just zoned out. <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of those I really like. But then, you know, when you have a kid, you're watching so many. Sometimes you're working and, you, you know, you, you know Nemo's down there, but you don't remember how he got there. You know, I liked Finding Nemo overall. But okay. moment to moment, I didn't like that movie very much. But the, the hole is greater than the sum of its uh, fishy parts. Yes. Yeah. Well okay. put. All right. Well put. All right. Uh, all right. So we haven't blown your mind yet. Everyone's like, all right, they don't metamorphosize. Not the biggest deal in the world, guys. <laughs> Here's where the mind-blowing stuff comes in. Overall, salamanders and newts can regrow stuff. They can regenerate tissue. They can regrow a, a tail. We all know that. Sure. 
Uh, they can regrow a limb. That's fine. And they come out usually okay. It's no big whoop. But the axolotl can well, – you know what? I should, I should read actually what uh, Stephanie Roy says. This is a researcher – from the University of Montreal. Can you do your Stephanie Roy impression while you read it? <laughs> sure. Here we go. You can cut the spinal cord. She sounds a lot like me. Yeah. You can cut the spinal cord, crush it, remove a segment, and it will regenerate. You can cut the limbs at any level, the wrist, the elbow, the upper arm. This all sounds very sadistic, by the way. Yeah. And it will regenerate, and it's perfect. There's nothing missing. There's no scarring on the skin at the site of amputation. Every tissue is replaced they can regenerate the same limb 50, 60, 100 times. Parentheses. Trust me, I've cut off a lot of legs of axolotls. Mm-hmm. In parentheses. And every time, perfect. Yeah, and what's crazy is, like, this continues throughout their life. Like, they can do this when they're very young. They can do it when they're very old. Apparently, the only change is that it just takes longer the older they are. But that that new leg, that new um, that new tail, it's as good as new every time, no matter how old they are. And that's pretty mind-blowing in and of itself. It gets even crazier than that, Chuck. Let's hear it. In addition to, like, extremities and limbs and tails and stuff, they can do the same thing with organs. Yeah. And, like, important organs, too, like the heart and the brain and their spinal cord. They can regrow it good as new every time. Yeah. It's really amazing, and if you think they should study this stuff uh, to see if humans, uh, you know, could potentially do something like this mm-hmm. with a little help from axolotl stuff, right? Uh, they are studying this stuff because, and they've already found some pretty good breakthroughs. But axolotls are very, very valuable to study. Uh, and what they've learned so far, as far as these limbs go and other things, is you get that little limb uh, cut off or something, mm-hmm. and the cells nearest to that limb wound differentiate immediately. So that means it's sort of like a stem cell. That means they can become any type of cell kind of instantaneously, and they form a little a little uh, pile around these undifferentiated cells, mm-hmm. and that's called a blastema, uh, or then this is, helps you to visualize it more. Uh, it's also called a regeneration bud. Mm. So it's like a little uh, plant bud or something, basically. We scar up like dummies. There's your problem. We form scar, t- like I cut off your arm, and you're going to start forming scar tissue. Axolotl say, no, no, no. We're going to grow that thing back with this blastema. Mm-hmm. And they do that. They generate uh, stem cells, bone cells, muscle nerves, whatever you need to replicate perfectly whatever is now missing. Yeah, which is pretty amazing considering we have s- pretty much the same genes we figured out. Um, the axolotl, so they they um, they sequenced an axolotl genome in 2018. I believe it's the largest genome ever sequenced because the axolotl's genome is second only to the Australian lungfish in size and number of base pairs. Humans have 3 billion base pairs. We're doing pretty pretty good with 3 billion base pairs. It's kind of to yeah, be expected. Sure. That's a lot. Uh-huh. Axolotls have 10, almost 11 times the number of base pairs that humans do, 32 billion base pairs in their genome. And so after examining all this, scientists said, like, hey, we've, we've got some of these genes. What's different, they think, is that with axolotls, those genes are stuck in the on position. Either they never make the hormone that would turn those genes off, 
or they continue to produce the hormone that keeps those genes on. Regardless, the fact that those genes are turned on and then makes them able to just regrow like like brand new every time throughout their life. Yeah, it's really something else. Uh, there's another cool theory about why this might be true, uh, evolutionarily speaking. And there, there are scientists that think that maybe at one point in their history, when they were in that lake and they were landlocked, uh, and food may have been abundant at one time, but maybe at one point there were too many axolotls and food wasn't as abundant. Mm-hmm. And so they may have uh, turned cannibalistic and said, hey, friend, uh, I know we've been hanging out a lot lately, but I w- your, your rear leg is looking pretty tasty to me. And so I'm just going to bite that off and eat it if you don't mind. And that happened so much that the axolotls who thrived were the ones who could grow those limbs back quicker and survive. Yeah, which makes sense. Not, not bad. I don't have a rival theory for that one. Ah, shoot. I, I could make one up real quick. Let's hear it. No, I can't. It's Friday <laughs> oh, morning. Man. Maybe if it were All Thursday right. afternoon, but yeah. I know. You're right. So um, you might say like, oh, that's cool. I want to try this at home with my axolotl. I'm going to cut off its its right front leg and half of its brain and see what happens. Please don't. Don't, because they do have pain receptors, so they can feel pain. Apparently, they have a high threshold of pain, but they will still feel pain if you essentially torture them for your own amusement. So don't do that to your axolotl at home. And by That's the right. way, this is these aren't messages to Charlie's Flores, because based on her, no. her preliminary research, she knows what she's doing. She's taking good yeah. care of Boba. Totally. Uh, another amazing uh, superpower that these little guys have is... The you know not only can they grow back things and grow back organs, but they can transplant organs perfectly, uh, just like they can grow things back. They don't have a learned immune system like we do. Uh, when you get and we we did an episode on uh, organ transplant many years ago, mm-hmm. and as we all know, a lot of times, in fact, about a third of the time, uh, the human body will reject the organ because we have a learned immune system. It'll just say no, this isn't. This isn't on, shouldn't be on my body. Get this crud out of here. Yeah, get this thing out of here. But axolotls don't have that. So you can transplant, uh, it's like 100% non-rejection rate for organ transplants. Yeah, but I mean, that's for axolotl, right? You couldn't put like a pig heart in it or anything. I don't think they've tried, but probably, you're right, I would say. I don't know if we said or not, but the different kinds of like lab-grown types and varieties of uh, axolotls are called morphs. Did you say that? No. So there's a f- type of morph, morph called the firefly morph, and when it's in the embryonic stage, they they'll take if it's a like a black or dark mottled axolotl, they'll take a tail from a, a white axolotl or pink one, and vice versa, and they will transplant the tail in the embryonic stage, and the thing grows up, and it's like black with a white tail or white with a black tail. I don't yeah. think it's very cool looking, but I think some people do. Yeah. Um, another superpower is that they are 1,000 more times resistant to cancer than other mammals. Um, it's pretty amazing. And again, uh, researchers are studying this because, mm-hmm. like, could the cure for cancer potentially be in these cute little sallies? And, you know, you never know. They have treated breast cancer patients with uh, axolotl egg serum, and it halted the growth of cancerous tumors. So. You never know. Yeah, they looked into it, and they think what happened was that the axolotl juice 
reprogrammed the tumor-suppressing genes that had been turned off epigenetically, went in and turned them back on. And so the tumor-fighting um, proteins and hormones were able to fight that tumor and stop it from growing. Wow. Yeah, wow is right. And I say that big wow calls for a message break. What do you think? I agree. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more, while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Altoids, because let's face it, unraveling the mysteries of the universe is tough work. But with Altoids, your breath will be stronger than a black hole's gravitational pull, more intense than an alien abduction, and more reliable than your phone's battery during a podcast marathon. When it comes to needing intense freshness, Altoids have you covered. Altoids are stronger than your favorite conspiracy theory, more intense than the latest true crime docuseries, and more reliable than a Bigfoot sighting. They're not just mints, they're curiously strong mints. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on. Want to learn about a pterosaur and call a pterodactyl? How to take a perfect poop and all about fractals? Genghis Khan, Attila the Hun, the Lizzie Borden murders and the cannibal runs. Don't explain everything to your brain. Explode. Just chuck. And John. This stuff you should know. Word up, Jerry. So, Chuck, there's a big irony with axolotls, aside from the mm-hmm. irony that they can reproduce even though they're young and yada, yada. Um, they are critically endangered in the wild because, again, there's one small, tiny body of water in outside of Mexico City where they live, and they live nowhere else in the wild. But yeah. there's countless axolotls thriving and living in captivity. Because it was very clear early on in the mid-19th century to at least some French physicians that they would make great lab animals to experiment and test on. And so they took some sample axolotls to France 
And from that point on, they just kept breeding them and breeding them and breeding them. And now the world has tons of axolotls. They're just not around in the wild much. Yeah, big time. Um, you know, we talked about the habitat loss. There's also a pollution problem. Uh, also, the government um, introduced carp, I believe, and tilapia into where the axolotls were, into that lake. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was for a food source, basically, for fishermen. But they eat the plants where the axolotls lay eggs, so that was a problem. And here's some numbers for you. In 1998, uh, there were about 6,000 axolotls per square kilometer, okay. and that is down to 35, 35 uh, per square kilometer today, which is very sad. Yeah, and again, critically endangered. And one of the reasons why um, there's so many in captivity, I was saying, is that they do make a great lab animal. Apparently, yeah. they're um, experimented on um, second or third only to rats and mice. Wow. Yeah, that's surprising. I think that must be as far as vertebrates go. But they um, that's where the pink axolotls come from mm -hmm. um, and all the other specimens. Apparently, there were, there were what are called uh, leucistic axolotls. They're almost albino, not quite. Mm -hmm. But they were in that group of 34 axolotls that were first taken to Paris. And so every pink axolotl is descended from those I think there were like six original ones. But the reason that they, they work so well in labs is that they have some really interesting traits. Yeah, they are uh, very easy to breed mm -hmm. in captivity. Check. Um, they're easy to keep alive. If you know what you're doing, check. Sure, because we said, you know, they live a long time. Uh, apparently, they have very big cells, and they're easy to look at. Uh, and easy to examine, and I think the eggs are 30 times larger than a human. Roughly the size they're, of a beach ball. <laughs> their embryonic neurons are 600 times larger. Mm -hmm. What's that? It's the size of the Grand Canyon. Okay. <laughs> In Big Macs. Sorry. <laughs> right. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're just ideal model organisms for the lab, and so that's why, and, you know, because of their superpowers, that's why they are studied a lot. Yeah, so we found a few things from them already. We've figured out how organs develop in vertebrates, including us, because like I said, mm -hmm. we realized when we um, scanned their genome that we have a lot of the same genes. We use those genes to grow limbs ourselves and lose our tails ourselves while we're in utero. But after we're born, probably right before we're born, those genes get turned off. So we've figured out, thanks to the axolotl, how those genes work and which ones are important. Um, we figured out how spina bifida works and where it comes from. And thyroid hormones. You wanted those isolated? Axolotl's got you covered. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. Uh, if you're And did you already say that uh, the fact that they're growing like tons and tons of these in a lab mm -hmm. doesn't mean you can just throw them back in a lake because they have a shortage there, right? I did not say that. Well, I just said it because that's what I was thinking this whole time I was researching it was, well, why then, since they are critically endangered, can't you just release, you know, tens of thousands of these? But it just doesn't work that way. These morphs are bred for the lab. They're not bred for that lake. And uh, it, it apparently just doesn't work. It'd be like moving your city cousin in with your country cousin. That's right. Like you it might have a, a decent sitcom on your hands, but it's only going to last a season or two. That's right. It all falls apart on Super Tuesday. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they can't do that. It, that's not to say that they won't find a place where they could introduce them to the wild. It's just apparently 
taking them back to where they're from or where they originated is not on the table. Yeah. And if you if you're wondering, well, what are they doing? They are trying because the axolotl is such a uh, culturally important thing, scientifically important animal. Um, it is a flagship species that they designated, um, I think, semi recently, which which helps obviously protect it. Uh, they are now building sheltered areas that don't have those uh, grass-eating tilapia. Uh, they're blocking them out so they can lay those eggs safely where they had for, you know, eons. Actually, how long is an eon? I probably misused that. Uh, I don't know. Let's say I'm sure I'll get an a email. pretty long time. Okay, pretty long time. Uh, the tour guides and the locals have all been, you know, educated and trained on best practices for like fishing and doing those tours. And, you know, hopefully all that stuff um, makes a difference and really sinks in because it is a a beloved cultural creature. So beloved, in fact, Chuck, that in 2020, Mexico said, hey, everybody, check out our new 50 peso bill. And everybody's like, oh, it's pretty cool. All right. And then they said, no, 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 turn it over. Right. And everybody turned it over. They're like, there's an axolotl on the back of the 50 peso bill now. And Mexico's government said, yep. Pretty cool. Yeah, every every time they do that trick, they, they put it on the wrong side and just say, watch this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I tell them to turn it over. It kills. What's funny is the axolotl appears to be floating above the water, weirdly. Yeah. It's a strange jam, but it's cute as a button on the back of the 50 peso bill. Yeah, I agree. And also, shout out to uh, Minecraft. Uh, that's a game that my daughter is obsessed with now, as many youngins are. Mm-hmm. And there is an axolotl in Minecraft. Okay, I couldn't figure this out. What's a mob in Minecraft? It seems to be referred to like an individual thing. I don't know. Okay. Apparently— No, I, sorry. I don't play, so I don't know. Okay, fair enough. You're like, but do you talk to your daughter and pay attention <laughs> to things she says? I'm curious, though. Ask her and let me know, will you? Yeah, yeah. I'll just—she uh, can text you now. Oh, yeah. Tell her to text me what a mob is. <laughs> All right. She doesn't have a phone, but— uh, she does have a little email address, so she oh, can that's cute. text her friends occasionally. And she so. does have thumbs. And she does have thumbs, and they work pretty well. Get ready for lots of memes, by the way. What do you mean? Oh, she's going to send I me give, some? If I give Ruby your phone number. Okay. Does she have the good Just, ones? I don't even know how to get a meme in a text. I have no idea. And the first thing she did was send me like 60 in a row. It's copy and paste, buddy. I know, but I don't even know where to find them. Oh, well, that's a big first step. Yeah, I'm not going to give her your phone number. You'll, your life will change and, and not in a great way. Okay, well, then send me <laughs> screenshots of her text to okay. you then. All right. Leave uh, me I out of it. Though. Sorry. So uh, Mexico City in 2017 said, hey, let's have an emoji contest. Because as, as is the case with cities these days, every city has to have its own official emoji. And guess mm-hmm. what the emojis are based on in Mexico City? Hmm. Tamales? Tamales. With the axolotl head sticking out of the end. Oh, no. No, just axolotls doing stuff. That's great. I love it. So before we finish up, you found some good stuff about axolotl care. We are not experts, uh, but you did find some stuff. Where did you find this? I'll have to tell you in a moment, but go ahead. Okay. Uh, And and again, you should, you know, if you're getting into the axolotl game as pet-wise— do all your own research. Don't just listen to the next, you know, five minutes and think I got it covered. Uh, this is just sort of a broad overview, mm-hmm. right? Right. Yeah. So okay. there's a few things that you need to remember with axolotls. They're um, very sensitive to water temperature and water mm-hmm. quality. 
Obviously, you want to start with fresh water, but you want to start with filtered fresh water to begin with. But you can't just put fresh water in there and say, hey, it's all good. Get in there, axolotl. You want to tweak it enough so that the axolotl can be happy and thrive in there. Yeah, you also want to get a fishnet. Um, you don't want to handle as much as you might want to pet this thing. They have very sensitive skin. Uh, it's very easily damaged, and so you don't want to pick the thing up or pet it or anything like that. So get out your little fishnet when you're changing water and stuff like that mm-hmm. and uh, and feed them a lot, right? Yes. You want to feed them live stuff if possible, especially when they're young because they actually have a, prey, a predator response. So it's got to be moving for them to be like, oh, that's food. Um, they can eat dead stuff later on as they get older. But um, you want to also be very selective. Don't go out and, like, save some money and harvest your own bloodworms if you even know how to do that. You want to buy them from a reputable bloodworm dealer, which you can find yeah. basically on any corner in any town on in America. <laughs> sure. Um, but the, the reason why is because those things are typically, like, disease-free, parasite-free. And if they aren't, those can basically make your axolotl sick. That's right. You don't want to do that. Uh, when tank shopping, too, you also want to, and this is true with any fish, and I think a common mistake is that you don't get the right size uh, tank and habitat mm-hmm. for whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, they need they need a little bit of room. So uh, a 20-gallon aquarium is what they recommend for, like, just one single axolotl. Uh, if, if you want more than one, they say you, you really shouldn't do that. You should just have one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't get five or six because you think it's five or six times as cute. Uh, but if you are some sort of professional aquarium type and you do want to house more than one, then that tank has to grow, you know, proportionally. Yeah. Um, the other thing I was saying about the water, you need to tweak it. You want to keep your water temperature between 60 and 64 degrees Fahrenheit. Go figure it out yourself for Celsius. Um, And the pH, you want somewhere between 6.5 and 8, but ideally about 7.4 to 7.6, which is basically right in there at neutral. They like neutral fresh water at 60 to 64 degrees Fahrenheit. That's right. And they aren't like fish. You can't just throw like fish gravel in there. Oh, that's a big one. They they need their own really specific habitat, uh, the substrate. And, you know, little shards of gravel – can really, really harm an axolotl. It can, uh, they, they tend to just sort of uh, gulp down water, and in that water could be little tiny shards of gravel. So uh, maybe loose sand mm-hmm. uh, could be a foundation. Definitely don't just think get a fish tank and fish tank stuff, and it'll work for your axolotl. Yeah, and some people say, well, I'm just not going to put anything down. They can just, I'll leave the bottom of the tank bare, which your axolotl won't cut their skin on anything, but they'll also be freaked out because everything's so slippery. So sand is a good thing, and they also can burrow into sand if they're nervous or scared or want to sleep too. That's right. There's a lot more out there. By the way, that was from the uh, Atlantic City Aquarium. They know what they're talking about. Um and you should probably do a lot more research before you actually get your axolotl and, and set its tank up. Okay. That's right. And uh, also now, since we are wrapping this up, this means that uh, we can go listen to the 99% Invisible episode Model Organism, mm-hmm. which also covers the axolotl. But uh, Dave, who helped us with this, was like, don't listen to that first because you're just going to want to steal it all. <laughs> Uh, because Roman and the gang there, does they do such a great job, and they have forever, and Roman is a friend of the show, and uh, I can't wait to go listen to it. I'm sure it's amazing. Same here. 
Well, thanks to Roman for making that amazing episode. Thanks to Charlie's Flores and her mom, Gabrielle, for sending in that preliminary research. Thanks to Dave for helping us out. And thanks to you for listening. Since I thanked you guys for listening and Chuck just said, okay, tacitly by his silence, that means it's time for listener mail. That's right. And also thanks to Charlie's Theron. <laughs> sure. And Rod Stewart. we got to shout oh, him yeah, out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've been picking on him. I was just watching uh, videos of old Sir Rod. Is he a sir? I believe so, yeah. Sir Rod. Yeah. Thanks for being such a great sport, Rod. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm going to call this one. Uh, which one should I do? I'll do this one. I'll call this uh, Bede. Bede. Oh, Bede. man. <laughs> What's wrong? I wanted to go the rest of my life without correcting that. <laughs> well, sorry. Uh, hey guys, longtime listener of Stuff You Should Know from uh, Wollongong, Australia. Okay. Wollongong? I guarantee that's not how it's pronounced. Wollongong. <laughs> All you have to do to be Australian is sound surprised at everything. Uh-huh. Wollongong. I think that was a New Zealand accent too, by the way. Probably. Uh, hey guys, heard your podcast on how the English language developed and have to correct your pronunciation of B-E-D-E. Uh, Saint B-E-D-E is a famous Catholic saint who was a learned scholar from the Jero uh, area of Northern England. He's famous for writing a history of the English-speaking people in English as opposed to Latin. I think he also had something to do with the change to the calendar and using BC and AD and prefixes for dates before and after the birth of Jesus. Uh, now, this is something deserving of a separate stuff you should know topic one day. Anyway, uh, as I am named after him, I can assure you that the pronunciation of his name is the same as Bede. Is that a disappointment? Yes, it's a disappointment, but I'm not even convinced. I mean, that's what Bede says. Well, Bede says, I've long had to put up with people uh, mispronouncing my name, uh, Bede, Bede-I, and could not... Bede-I? Well, that's what he says. And could not help but correct your attempts to get his name right. Keep up the great work. Cheers. That is from Bede Ritchie. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks a lot, Bede, or Bede. Um, I will call you Bede because you said that's how your name is pronounced. Of but course. that does not necessarily mean by extension, unless you have a time machine handy that I don't know about, that Beedy's name wasn't pronounced Beedy. Agreed. <laughs> uh, well, if you want to get in touch with us like Bede did, thanks a lot, by the way, Bede, um, you can send us an email to stuffpodcast at iheartradio.com. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Are you thirsty? Well, Richard's rainwater is caught clean before it even hits the ground. Rain is naturally pure, so there's no need for harsh chemicals or additives. Richard's rainwater contains no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. Enjoy the smooth, clean taste of still rainwater or the cold pressured bubbles of sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And for a coupon, text STUFF to 251-292-8887 and receive $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's Rainwater. 
Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com.